VHS files contain spoilers, adult content, and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. It's showtime. Welcome to the VHS Files Podcast with Jenny Lou. So what do you want to do tonight? Jason. What about pizza and movie night? Eric. I want to rent a movie. And Josh. I want to go to a good video store so I can get a good movie. And this is the movie of the week. Get this pizza movie night started. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Welcome to episode 16 of the VHS Files Sweet 16. And it is Christmas. You're getting this episode on Christmas Day. So Merry Christmas from our house to yours. Merry Christmas. A lot of people don't know that we all live together on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, three of us do. (laughs) Uh, speaking of which, uh, our buddy Jason, who's normally on the show with us, um, he was out on the last episode, uh, unfortunately, because he was falling ill, and we got word that he did indeed test positive for COVID-19, uh, and we want to just say that we are thinking about him. I know he's got a lot going on right now, um, and this is probably the closest it's affected us at this point, maybe. We're putting good vibes out there for him to get better, and uh, everybody, if you would, Go on our on our social media um, and just get, give some love to Jason so he can get better and get back on the show with us. Yeah, I hope feel better soon, he's buddy. Feeling much better by the time this airs. Yes, yes, definitely. No um, fun to be sick on Christmas. No fun to be sick on Christmas and to be dealing with what we've been dealing with for the almost the entirety of this year. So uh, again, just people, everybody, please be aware and and be thoughtful of of. All of this. Wear your mask when you go out. Make sure you're taking proper precautions and washing your hands. Uh, we don't like to see any of our loved ones or friends, you know, in the position Jason's in right now. So we are hoping he gets through this and gets better and gets back on the show and we can keep having a good time. Not to start the episode on a downer, but <laughs> uh, we're going to go ahead and kick it into the movie of the week. The movie of the week. And this week we are talking about Home Alone. Big, big movie from big, big movie from my childhood. Um, this uh, we're actually breaking into a new decade on the show with this one as well. We are hitting 1990. That's right. Wow. We are out of the 80s. We have finally hit a 90s movie. Pretty exciting. Yeah. So and it's weird Moving because on it, up. I mean, it, it feels like an 80s movie. Really, I mean, to me, it does anyway. Well, it's 1990, so it almost yeah. is an 80s. Movie. Right. But technically, technically. Filmed in the 80s. Yep. Oh, you're right. There you go. Probably. Um, <laughs> so Home Alone was directed by Chris Columbus. And uh, this was his uh, third film, I think, third or fourth film. Uh, he had come out of the gate with uh, one of Jenny's favorite movies, ba- Adventures in Babysitting. Yes. And a movie called Heartbreak Hotel. And after Home Alone, he'd go on to do Only the Lonely, Mrs. Doubtfire, Stepmom, which is actually a really good movie, uh, in my opinion. Uh, some people don't have the same opinion. Uh, he did a couple of the Harry Potter movies, I think the first and the second. And I Love You, Beth Cooper, which is a more recent uh, film before he passed away. Or Christopher, Lo- I'm thinking getting him mixed up with John Hughes, I think. Wow. I think Christopher Columbus someone. is still alive. So when you talk Christopher Columbus, you can't help but think of John Hughes, which he wrote and produced Home Alone. So it's easy to get those mixed up, I think. So this was released November 16th, 1990, and 
had a budget of $18 million. And just take a guess at how much this movie brought in. Off a budget of eighteen million, how much do you think it made? Three hundred million, something. You're you're close, but you're right in the middle somewhere. Eleven bajillion. <laughs> Four hundred and seventy-seven million dollars. Wow. wow. So to say that this is a hit is an understatement. This thing blew up. Came out amongst the likes of Jacob's Ladder, Child's Play Part Two, Rocky Five, and. The sequel to one of the biggest movies of the 80s, Three Men and a Little Lady. Oh. <laughs> Which I don't think that one quite lived up to the first one either. No. Uh, so, I mean, this came Massive out... Massive disappointment. Yeah, this one came out amongst the mass of, uh, of really like a bunch of sequels. So, uh, again, around the holiday time. So, it was prime for being a, a, a holiday movie. Yeah, they um, knew what they were doing. So... Now that we've broken into the 90s, Eric, take us back in time and tell us what was cool in 1990. We're sending you back in time. Ooh. Whoa, this is heavy. Well, Josh, the Space Shuttle Discovery places the revolutionary Hubble Space Telescope in orbit. Uh, it's really interesting stuff. Do you guys do you guys know how to use a tel- uh, telescope? No. No. You should really look into it. Boom! Okay, uh... <laughs> Also, uh, Denzel Washington <laughs> wins Best Supporting Actor for Glory. Uh, the first documented crash between two cars fitted with airbags uh, occurred, and both drivers walked away with minor injuries. So nice. that was cool. You guys ever uh, been in a car accident where your airbag went off? No. No. Oh, I have. It's, it's no, the, the only car accident I've been in, well, I've been in two. Uh, first one was a car that I don't think was outfitted with airbags. It was too old. And then the other, I, I rear-ended somebody, and then somebody rear-ended me, but no airbags deployed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and then McDonald's uh, used to cook their uh, their fries in beef fat mm. uh, tallow until 1990 when they switched to vegetable oil. So it's kind of interesting. Good and uh, finally, the biggest show on television in 1990. What is it? Hit it, Josh. you in the mood right there i listen to this score all the time i love this and then the real jazzy stuff yeah. in the show yeah but yeah this is one of my favorite tv show themes and just you know everybody you, know, you can hear this but we're also watching the intro to twin peaks which is so riveting to me of just a, a blade being sharpened <laughs> but i love it oh man that intro sets the mood like I think Twin Peaks is really the reason I went down the rabbit hole with David Lynch and kind of fell in love with Lynch after that. Cause I used to not really care for his movies at all. And then something about how bizarre they are roped me in, in my older age, but we won't get on the David Lynch talk that that comes later in the show. Yeah. But all right, well, let's get started talking about home alone. Uh, childhood memories. Anybody see this in the theater? Yes. You did? Yes. All right. So for my, it would have been ninth birthday, mm-hmm. my parents took me and a bunch of my friends to see Home Alone because my birthday is right before Christmas. So it was like the movie everybody wanted to see. 
and we all went and it was the best time like a packed theater totally losing it just Mm -hmm. amazing um yeah i think around this time is when i started going to the movies more regularly as a child um so like the 90s were really where I started seeing movies in the theater mm-hmm. and this is right. one of my your, first big memories. Right. You're seven or eight at this point, right? And I was then, nine. So, okay. So you're just kind of getting to the age where you can go to the theater and not have to like leave and go to the bathroom every 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, yeah. like a little kid. does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I, I probably saw this in the theater. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't have a ton of memories of my childhood, like where you just, we're remembering in detail, like what happened. <laughs> like that's all, <laughs> that's all been, been washed away uh, over the years, I guess. But I, I'm sure I saw this in the theater and, and yeah, I mean, a Christmas classic, what a, what a phenomenon. And, and uh, you know, Macaulay Culkin just taking the world by storm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I remember that all of that. So, well, yeah. This was the first thing I'd seen him in, but I I had never seen only The Lonely, which he's in that with John Candy, uh, a lot more briefly than this movie. Uh, he's in but, Uncle Buck too. Was that? Or no, I, yeah, movie? I'm thinking of Uncle Buck. I think okay. I said only The Lonely because I brought it up in the tra- uh, movies from that year. But uh, yeah, Uncle Buck is what I'm talking about. And my cousin loved Uncle Buck, uh, but I for some reason Uncle Buck was one that I didn't really see as a kid. I I saw it a little later, and. Macaulay Culkin's good in that. He's fantastic in this. Yeah. I mean, you can say whatever and how his career went and what happened after these movies and, and how it kind of affected him going on, but there's no denying he's he's amazing in these movies. You know, this yeah, there's the a reason one. he he became so huge. I mean, yeah. what a what a funny little guy. Right. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll talk about specific scenes where he really kills it, in my opinion. But I, I, I did not see this one in the theater. I do remember on or around Thanksgiving, probably the year after it came out, we rented it on video. And this is my, my stepdad is not really known for being all that into watching movies and whatnot. We won't go down that path and, and t- start talking about that stuff. But watching a movie with my stepdad was a feat. And there are two movies in particular that I have fond memories of watching with him watching along and actually enjoying the movie we were watching. And Home Alone is one of them, the other being E.T. And we'll talk about that when we get to E.T. But um, this movie, because we were all home, it was a holiday. It was like, let's all sit down and watch a movie. And I vividly remember him and my, we called him Uncle Ross, but he was really just a friend of my dad's. Uh, But he was there and we were watching this movie and I was probably laughing more at them laughing at this movie <laughs> than I was actually laughing at what was going on. Cause they were busting their guts. Like I, my, my stepdad was in tears. Ross was in tears. My mom and me were just rolling because <laughs> we were watching them laugh their asses off. So even though I didn't see this in the theater, I can only imagine what a theater experience would have been like for this yeah. movie. Um, Absolutely. And I think, slapstick is such a universal comedy that no matter what your sense of humor is really good slapstick is funny watching these two guys you know just get just get demolished yeah. is hysterical it's it's so funny and even in i think my in, my opinion is in this movie it doesn't seem as cartoony like 
I don't know. I, I like. I wouldn't label this as slapstick comedy. I think the stuff at the end is very slapstick, but it doesn't fall into a movie like Ace Ventura or anything like that, where it's just constantly on. This one is the the build up and then the you know, the crescendo to them breaking in the house at the end, and then it just goes buck wild. Yeah. Um. Now there are genuinely funny comedy moments from beginning to end in this, but I think the slapstick stuff really. I don't think there's enough of it in there to to label it a slapstick comedy, but I can understand why you would say that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you don't really get all the slapstick until they that night where mm-hmm. they come, and then then it just goes crazy. But yeah. yeah, it's a lot more than that, obviously. Right. Well, I think the score in part kind of lends to that whole slapstick. Um, At the end, vibe. yeah. Well, and also the beginning, like there's you know, an urgency when they're running through the airport and like there's, there's all these notes that the score hits throughout mm-hmm. that. It's but interesting. I do agree because, with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talking about setting the mood, the mood. I, I love the, the score in the beginning of the film where it's like, da, 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 you know, like yeah, that, yep. that little, uh, it starts with a Christmas thing so, and then yeah, turns into, so nice. yeah, like it starts as a Christmas song and then kind of fades into the score that we'll have through the movie. Yeah. yeah I really like that too. Uh, and, and that kind of lends to what we've been talking about, about the Christmas movies all season is like, if your movie starts with a Christmas song, there you go. I mean, it's. <laughs> yeah. Now this one, this one is absolutely Christmas through and through. I mean, just watching it, you you know, it's hitting all those all those notes. So like, this movie was meant to be a, a Christmas classic. And uh, right, um, yeah, I mean, Kevin is learning to appreciate the people around him, his family, stuff like that. I mean, that's like a total Christmas movie theme mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, is you know, seeing the world and appreciating it, and right. you know, not being selfish, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but kicking this movie off, I've, I've always found it kind of weird um, that all this stuff's going on in this house, yet no one seems to recognize or, or be concerned that there is a police officer standing in their entryway. Yeah, no one cares. No one is even put a thought towards stopping and talking to this guy, which is, I mean, kind of starts the unrealisticness of this movie a little bit where, where you get where you really just have to suspend disbelief and just take it for what it is. Because uh, there's no way anybody would just leave a cop standing at your front well, door. This is a really nice neighborhood. Yeah, and like somebody you know, like had these people, to have let him in. Well, that or maybe not. He's not a real cop, but you know, they don't see the cops as a threat of any kind. They're yeah. they're in a super nice upscale neighborhood. Uh, you know, the cop probably, you know. Oh hey, you know I got I got your newspaper by accident, or you know mm-hmm. I saw your you know, like just a nothing, you know n- no one cares. Right. Plus, a lot of people walking by him are visiting, so it's not even their house. Yeah. But. Right. Yeah, I mean it's it's setting the the, the tone that this house is chaos, yeah. and it's really hard to keep track of what's going on, basically, and yeah. no one's really paying attention. Um, and we're introduced to Kevin here in 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 Catherine O'Hare, who plays his mom in this, and then you get John Hurd. Uh, his dad, uh, two fantastic actors who we will see multiple times throughout all of the movies we're going to be talking about on this show. And uh, I found out like 
you don't really pay a whole lot of attention to what Catherine O'Hare is talking about while she's on the phone because this is just your introduction into the movie. I found a lot of things are, are, are said or a lot of things are laid out for you that you might have questions for in that phone call she has. You've always grasped that they're, you know, going to France to see his brother or whatever or whatever it is. Um, but one thing I always found kind of weird about this movie was the doggy door that plays a part in this movie. And there's no dog in the house. But if you listen to that phone call she's having at the beginning, she says, we boarded the dog. So the dog's already gone to the kennel and it's not in the house during this time. Damn, I did not even notice that. Yeah. That's that's a good point. I wonder what kind of dog they have. And and that's what's funny is like we get we get a sequel to this in the, the same family, same house, but still the dog is gone again. It's like they they cleverly figured a way to keep the dog out of the situation. Yeah. But um what you really kind of notice from the get go of this movie is Kevin is definitely the youngest and an afterthought because everybody here is fucking mean to him. But he's a brat. Yeah, he's kind of a brat and he wants everyone to do everything for him and he doesn't appreciate, especially his mom. Yeah. Yeah. His, his siblings are pretty mean to him, but yeah, I mean, I, I, he, 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 he makes, he makes ornaments with his dad's fishing lures. <laughs> He doesn't seem to give a shit about what he does and how it affects anybody. Right. Yeah. I mean, if I had ever pulled some of the stuff that he pulled at that age, I would have been spanked for sure. But you already get a sense of how this performance from Macaulay Culkin is going to go from the moment he, he steps on screen. Um, He's so snide and he's so quick with the, with the retorts to his mom's stuff. And even the thing with the, with the ornament ornaments and the fish hooks. And he's like, I can't make ornaments out of the old ones with dry worm guts stuck on them. His, (laughs) his delivery of a lot of this stuff seems very natural for a, for a child. And I mean, he, he, he plays it off with a lot of suave for a kid, in my opinion. Like he's very, when, yeah, when for, for a kid that age, he, he speaks like more like an adult, you know, is funny. And that might be because he's around older people all the time. You know, he, he's the youngest of all of these all these kids and mm-hmm. we see how they treat him. So he's kind of got to harden himself a little bit, you know, and and not take shit from people. Uh what always got me was he freaks out about packing his suitcase. And as you go through this movie, you start to find out that Kevin is very uh, able, willing and able to do a lot of things, but yet he, the the notion of packing his suitcase was just beyond him. That seems a well, little. <laughs> I think he he learns to do things for himself. He's used to having most things done for him. I mean, like they said, you know, mom will pack your suitcase. Like, yeah. I I I think at this point he he's happy to let other people do things for him, mm-hmm. and he's probably just saying that because he doesn't feel like doing it. You know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I get kind of like a little bit of a spoiled brat vibe from him in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I never really felt as though he was that much of a brat. I, I could see where he was being snooty, but uh, I, I feel like there's a lot of a lot of things pointed at him. Like, I don't understand why he is punished for what happens in the kitchen, and Buzz is you know nothing happens to Buzz because he was instigating what was going on. True. You yeah, know, I uh, I think that's you know with it. sibling rivalry. Yeah, I crazy just, a crazy moment and mom missed the first part only caught the second part yeah 
One of my favorite things about this scene and in going through the house and meeting everybody and seeing all this interaction with Kevin and his brothers and sisters and cousins and whatnot is he continues to try and get someone to help him and nobody wants to help him. When he stands in the middle of the hallway, jumping up and down, I've always loved that he pulls the, when I grow up and get married, I'm living alone. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. He, he goes to his brother Buzz, which they have some great exchanges. <laughs> I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass. <laughs> but this is where we end up getting this revelation of old man Marley who lives next door, which I've always right. found fascinating. And a nod to a Christmas carol. Yeah. Yeah. Marley. And, but what gets me now as an adult and not really thinking about it as a kid is I don't know how long they've lived in this house with him as their neighbor. He even says that, you know, he saw them move in on the block, but all of this time they've never seen him next door. And this Christmas just happens to be the Christmas where they decide to pull this story about how he killed his kids and, or, and put him in a. Well, yeah, Kevin hasn't seen him. And then that other kid was like a, a visiting cousin or something, right? So yeah. I, Buzz has seen him, but... Well, Kevin, um, how old is Kevin in this? I think he's, they say he's 11? No, he's he says eight. He's eight. Eight, okay. Yeah. So, I mean... Did you watch this movie, Josh? <laughs> I'm so bad with details, man. It's like names. <laughs> and if I don't write it down, I'll never remember it right off the top of my head. Yeah, um, old man is, is, is salt in the sidewalk, and he's like, these goddamn rich kids are staring at me again. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. But I still find, I mean, even though, you know, this is the first time Kevin's hearing about old man Marley. I mean, he's eight years old. I don't know if he was born there and grew up not knowing that that guy was next to, I I don't know. Something about him not knowing about old man Marley kind of bothered me this time around. Like he's been there how long and he's only now hearing about the neighbor next door. Buzz is like little finger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but we get the delivery, the pizza delivery guy pulls up, and I love that this him hitting the statue in the driveway becomes this ongoing bit between this yeah, and the, throughout funny. this movie and even into the next. He should not have a license. Well, he's driving he's aggressively on the snow, tearing down it's, that residential street. Well, you know what? You get paid by the hour, not you know. I well, mean, well, I mean, or by the delivery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get paid by the delivery, so you know. 30 minutes or it's free. I don't know. Well, that's the thing. Have you guys never noticed on the car, it says your pizza in 30 minutes or it's free. That's so dangerous. It's still dangerous, (laughs) but it's, it's their way of explaining why he's driving so erratically. They're putting their delivery guys in a difficult situation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, don't make promises. That's going to make your delivery guys a menace to, to, you know, the highway. Right. I love, uh, I love, I love Fuller and Fuller. What's the bed? Yeah. You know, they say Fuller, Fuller, go easy on the Pepsi. I, I would always call my kids Fuller when they were drinking too much, <laughs> too much stuff like near bedtime. I'm like, whoa, whoa, Fuller, go easy on the whatever they're drinking. Well, I mean, after the pizza guy comes, we get introduced to Uncle Frank, which he puts him his character out right from the get go. He grabs the pizza and he says, oh, that's my brother's house. I'll take care of it. Um, yeah, he doesn't want to pay. But then oh, we, he's a cheap son of a bitch. I've got a clip here and it's the clip of the scene where everything goes down with the pizza and we can comment on it as it goes, but there's some funny stuff to be seen and heard here. Yes, you can see that. Hey, the pizza's here. There you go. That's 122.50. Yeah. 
It's my brother's house. He'll take care of it. Hey, listen. Uh, Hi. So, Hi. Are you Mr. here's where you say, yeah. you know, Mr. they're rich. They don't worry about the police. Yes. Like, he just seems like, am I under arrest or something? Like, he just seems so blasé <laughs> about it. Yeah. Am I under arrest or something? No, 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 no. It's uh, Christmas time. There's always a lot of burglaries around the holidays. So we're just checking the neighborhood to see if everyone's taking the proper precautions. That's all. Oh, yeah. Well, we have uh, automatic timers for our lights, locks for our doors. That's about as well as anybody can do these days, right? Did you get some eggnog or something like that? Come on, Dad. Let's yeah, see. Peter, you fool. So we're going to play you, we're Peter. Gonna, we're going to continue this scene, but we're going to stop here. So you hear Kevin run down the stairs. Pizza! Pizza! So we're watching this movie for this, <laughs> making our notes. And as soon as this happens, I look at Janie and I go, That's you. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza. We, we had to stop the movie and we had a good laugh yeah. about it for a good probably two or three minutes. Yeah. And I, and I, all she could do was look at me and go, You're right. I really <laughs> love pizza. Like a lot. That's my reaction in my head every time it's the cheese. I get pizza. <laughs> it it's is. The but the way he comes down the stairs and grabs hold of the thing when he turns and just the way he's yelling pizza, I mean absolutely everything about being a kid and being excited about pizza night. I mean, that's where pizza night comes from, in my opinion. Yeah. Let's get this pizza movie night started. That's right. What time do you have to go to bed? Early. We're leaving the house at 8 a.m. on the button. I hope you're all drinking milk. I want to get rid of it. I love that, too. I hope you're all drinking milk. And how it comes back later is good. Yep. Ten pizzas times 12 bucks. Frank, you got the money, don't you? Come on. Travelers Travelers Frank, we have cash. <laughs> <laughs> did anyone order me a plain cheese? Oh, yeah, we did. But if you want any, somebody's going to have to barf it all up because it's gone. So he's just taunting Kevin. Now, I've always been confused. Did they order him a pizza and actually eat all of it? Or did they just forget to order him a cheese pizza? We don't know. Well, Bud could be or Buzz could be lying. Here's my analysis of that: mm-hmm. is that there are a lot of children there who are small, and children usually have you know not a very wide ranging palate, mm-hmm. so they like cheese pizza or cheese and pepperoni. <laughs> like it, they're not getting mushrooms and olives, and they just yeah. You know want what I basics. say to Kevin? Pick it off, son. Yeah, pick it off. You don't like. Sausage You're the honey worst pizza. parent, Eric. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, this is kind of where you guys say he, he's coming at, uh, across as a brat. Like, this is where I see that is, yeah, I mean, if you're that concerned with the cheese pizza, then just pull the pepperoni off. No. If they know <laughs> that Kevin doesn't like toppings on his pizza, they should consider. Put that in consideration when they order. This, this yeah. is a chaotic time. This is they're more concerned no, 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 wait, with wait, wait, packing. Wait. They've got they've got people in the house. They got visitors. This is speaking. It it's not Jenny. Wait, it's wait, not wait. about the pizza. No, no. It's about he pushed it, Buzz into the, the milk. He pushed Buzz and spilled the milk. It's not about the pizza. It is about the pizza because, as usually, the pickiest person in the room. I would be really pissed off if nobody ordered me the kind of pizza I liked. 
But he's a small boy. He doesn't have the authority to be. He's not paying for the pizza. You, you Even know I mean? as a small child. <laughs> <laughs> You've already said he seems a little spoiled. They had to have gotten him a cheese pizza. Well, maybe they did. Maybe maybe Buzz ate the whole damn thing. Maybe he did. He wanted maybe to mess with Kevin. Who knows? Who knows? But I always thought that this was one of the things that stood out to me is after after Kevin lashes out, tackles Buzz, makes chaos within dinner and everything, Frank's response to what happens... Look what you did, you little jerk. I've always thought that was really out of line. Yeah. Oh, dude, if somebody called my kid a little jerk... I don't care if you're family or not. I'd be pissed. Yeah. You don't don't say that. But, you know, Peter is... uh, more or less worthless in this film. I don't know what he does for a living to make all this money and stuff, but he doesn't really do much of anything. Yeah. Like, hey, Peter, you're, is that his brother? Yeah. His brother-in-law. It's his brother? It's his brother. Your, your brother just called your son a little jerk. What are you going to do about it, Peter? Nothing? Yeah. Damn, Peter. Yeah, he just jumps on the bandwagon with everybody else. I love when... Kevin, you're such a disease. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Uh, I love when Frank gets up and smashes Fuller with the chair. Yeah. The yes. wall. Mm-hmm. That chair weird little thing. is rubber. It's so rubber, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rubber wood chair. Yeah. The milk is spilled all over the passports and tickets, and they know that it spilled on those items. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, gosh, get them up, you know. There is no way that they would have just thrown that away without looking. Like, they are actively cleaning up important documents they need for the next day. They would be counting them. They would be airing them out. There's a lot of, like, inconsistencies on, like, does, would this really make sense? Well, the funny thing about this is, is even though they, they, they go down that road to show you that they throw his ticket away, it, it still doesn't even warrant it needing to be there. Like, they could still have his ticket. The thing is, is they count an, another kid as Kevin when they're loading up in the van. Yes, but they right, hand but they, all the tickets to the lady at the gate. Yeah, exactly. And she does a rough count, but, like, she would have counted them all while she they were said, yeah. going down. She said, you got an extra ticket here. You're missing yeah. somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they did a lot to cover all their bases with trying to break down how you leave your kid alone. Right. Yeah. And not make the parents look awful right i mean the the power goes out it makes them late you know uh the the kid magically you know the neighbor kid coming over getting in the count you know all that stuff like things line up pretty perfectly where you're like okay these parents you could see how they do that they don't they don't seem like terrible parents per se you know what i mean yeah i do love when they wake up late yeah yeah it's it's funny It's much better in this film than it is the second one. I don't want to keep, we're going to compare to the second one a lot because it's, it's very like this one in a lot of ways. Uh, But Jenny made the comment that they're in Chicago in the middle of winter. And if the power goes out, doesn't matter if it's four in the morning or whatever, like you're going to wake up because it's cold as hell in that house. (laughs) That's a good, very good point. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were wasted. Maybe they just like, we didn't see it, but the, the, the adults just were pounding, pounding drinks, doing shots after dinner. <laughs> you have to contribute a lot of what puts you in the situations in this movie is because of the chaos of what happens in the beginning and, and how many people are in this house and everything that happens up to that point. The well, ex- this house is massive. Yeah. And the exchange. You could lose someone in there. 
the exchange between he and his mom when she takes him upstairs is one of the best parts of this movie. Uh, it, it's another part where, where Macaulay Culkin shines because when he's standing on the stairs and they're going back and forth with one another, um, and she says, you know, I don't want to see you again for the rest of the night. And he goes, I don't want to see you again for the rest of my whole life. And the way he points at her and everything, it's just a, such a good performance from him. Well, it, their relationship is, is like the emotional core of this movie, yeah. you know? And, and I think a lot of us can relate to getting mad at your parents or mad at somebody you love and, yeah. and saying something you didn't mean, you yeah. know? And then, you know, he, he wakes up and they're gone. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's what makes the reunion and everything they go through yeah. hit so hard at the end. Do you think as an eight-year-old, your first thought would have been they went to the airport without me? Or would you have gone down the, the path of, well, maybe I did make them disappear? <laughs> it's cute to imagine that that's what an eight-year-old's first yeah. instinct yeah. would be. But he does pretty quickly check the garage and see that the cars are there and think that they didn't go to the airport. At least, yeah, at least they show him questioning it at first. Yeah. Yeah. That maybe they left without me. But, yeah, I don't think I would think that. I'd probably go to a neighbor, and if I didn't find a neighbor, I'd probably go to a store and say, hey, you know. Right. <laughs> as, a kid, as an eight-year-old, I think I'd probably uh, not think that. It, but mm-hmm. she plants that seed. Maybe you wish for it. It'll happen. Yeah. You yeah. know, she kind of plants that seed in his head and. And they, they do try to cover that aspect of it because he goes to the garage and he says their cars are still here. They didn't go to the airport. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think he would have known that they were getting a transport to the airport. Or maybe not. He's eight years know. old. He probably didn't. Yeah, know. he probably wasn't paying attention to those details. Um, yeah, mom's on the phone making arrangements. He's yeah. not paying attention. Uh, one of my favorite parts of all of this, though, is when they get, to, they get on the plane, they're in first class, and when it shows him and her getting comfortable on the plane and she says, I hope we didn't forget anything. And it cuts straight to Kevin opening the door (laughs) is, is it is a great jump cut and him just wandering through the house and it's silent and his hair, the way his hair looks in this scene (laughs) is part of what cracks me up about it. Um, but when he realizes that they're gone and he just starts going buck wild in the house and, and thinking about all the bad stuff, everybody's been saying about him and his first instinct is to go jump on mom and dad's bed with a bag of popcorn and, and your <laughs> I mean, boots on. It kind of makes me want to jump on a trampoline and try and eat popcorn. No. It looks fun. Uh, you would choke. <laughs> well, as a kid, watching him get to just go wild in yeah. the house and break every rule, yeah. you know, eat ice cream at night, watch the scary movie, you know, uh, shoot the BB gun, get into Buzz's stuff like and he All is that a, is like a kid's dream, like yeah. just to be able to go crazy. And he is a crack shot. This kid should be a sniper. <laughs> he, do, he he doesn't miss. Does nope. He does he not miss. miss. And he does it with such confidence, too. Yep. <laughs> it just one after the other, and he does not miss once. One of my favorite parts of all of this is when he's, it cuts to the shot of all the ice cream and marshmallows on the, the kitchen counter, which is exactly what you would do as a kid. Put every bit of junk in a bowl you could. And he starts watching the and movies. And leave He's, it there. And le- yeah, just yeah. leave it all sitting out, melting, mm-hmm. watching the movies <laughs> mom and dad wouldn't let you watch. And his what he says here is so great. I'm, I'm eating junk and watching rubbish. You better come out and stop me. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Angels with Filthy Souls is a classic. A it's a classic film. within a classic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to see... 
I wish there was a whole movie. Yeah, for for the longest yeah. time, I really did think that this was a movie within a movie. And then the more I got into movies and learning about the productions of things, it it almost it broke my heart a little bit to find <laughs> out that this wasn't an actual movie that I could potentially <laughs> go watch. I like that he gets scared. Yeah, that it was a good idea to not let him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important to recognize that he is a kid and he shouldn't be doing this some yeah. of this right. stuff. That, yeah. And we get back to him and his mom and dad on the plane talking about how crazy it was that they left the house. This is a good conversation between two adults about making sure you covered all your bases. And Mm -hmm. I I like that she's asking him questions and John Hurd's like, "Uh, did you turn off the coffee? No, I did. Like they're, they're, they're going back and forth with that stuff. But he even, he even settles. It's like, oh, I forgot to close the garage. And yes, he did because Mm -hmm. Kevin goes to the garage and sees that it was left open. Finally, her motherly instinct kicks in and she knows something's wrong. Yeah. Kevin! Yeah. (laughs) Um, I can only imagine being on a plane over the Atlantic and realizing you left your kid at home. Right. In 1990, uh, where you can't get a hold of him, the phone line's out because of the storm the night before. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, I would be freaking out. I'd be freaking out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's another good cut too when she screams Kevin and then it cuts to Kevin in the house. And I wanted to have everybody kind of, I want to take a vote here. I want to take a vote on how many of us think that Jason tried the whole sled down the stairs thing. Because there's always something that Jason tried to do in a movie. And because he's not here, I kind of wanted to keep the spirit of it alive. Even though I know the answer because we did talk about sleds and the National Lampoon <laughs> Christmas Vacation episode. But as soon as this scene came on, it made me... it the How we've been doing this show and all the things that we love about these movies we've been talking about, and every time Jason has something that he has done, as soon as this scene came on, I was like, that would be the scene. That that would be what Jason did in this movie if he did anything. I could yeah, be that, wrong. That he, or the zip line. Yeah. I was going to say zip the line. homemade zip line might be. <laughs> Just because of the climate that I know that Jason yeah. has grown up in. Um, I mean, maybe like a cardboard box down the stairs yeah. with no My planned. kids did that at our house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely. My kids would slide down the stairs just on their body. Just like <laughs> straight plank and just slide down. We know he didn't do that because of the climate he grew up in. So I kind of want to keep a theme throughout this one because knowing Jason the way I do, I'm willing to bet he tried to do something that happens in this movie. Yeah. We'll get to what all the other things are once we get to the climax of the movie, but I, I kind of want to reference that as we're going through. Do you think Jason tried this or do you think he tried that? <laughs> <laughs> so we cut back to uh, Joe Pesci with his buddy Marv in this van, look at scoping out the, the neighborhood. For some reason, I didn't think Joe Pesci in the cop outfit at the beginning was the same character. Mm. And a lot of people forget that about this movie. Yeah. And it's very smart the way they play that. I, I kind of wonder where he got a, a real police uniform because it looks exactly like the uniform that the cop has when he comes to check on Kevin. Well, my guess is that he murdered a police officer and stole his clothing. Well, I mean, they're willing to do some heinous shit to a child. So that wouldn't cross, you know, that, that wouldn't be out of the equation. If you ask me, he bit his fingers off. <laughs> right. And he's going to shoot him in the second one. Um, <laughs> as dumb as they are being the, the wet bandits, <laughs> at least Joe Pesci's character, uh, Harry, has has is smart about it and has thought out what, what his yeah, he's got a plan. plan is. 
Harry isn't really that stupid. Watching it this time, you know, with a critical eye. And, yeah. I mean, he's pretty... He does some dumb things, but, like, he's really done his homework on casing out these houses. Yeah. He knows exactly when all their lights are going to go on. Down to the stuff. second. Yeah. yeah I mean, like... and, and a lot of... And he sees through a lot of Kevin's lies as well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, times where he's like, no, this doesn't feel right. Like, he's got some decent intuition. Yeah. Which is nice that they're not so totally bumbling stupid. Yeah. I mean, but I like that you Marv have, is, but yeah, I like yeah. that you have Marv there to counterbalance that. And, um, you know, they, they have pinpointed Kevin's family's house because it's, it's the silver tuna. It's the one they got everything. That's where they want the majority of their stuff. And they try to go get in and Kevin see, you know, Kevin's falling asleep on the couch or whatever. And he, he hears somebody rumbling around. So this tricks them into thinking that oh maybe they didn't leave town mm-hmm. turns all the lights on yeah uh, but this is where kevin should have called the police right or well, well actually his phone doesn't work right so he should have gone to the police the next day there there are issues i have with the phone not working throughout this movie we'll get to them in a little bit but well he seems to want to keep his situation a secret yeah i think he thinks which that is he's one got... of the things that i have i take issue with because I mean, maybe he thinks he's wished his family away, and if anyone finds out, he'll yeah. go to an orphanage or something. Maybe that's what he's thinking. But all the way to the very end of this movie, he hides that, the fact. All yeah. the way to the yeah. – even after the end where the cops come, he call, he doesn't even call the cops to his house. He right. calls the cops to the neighbor's house. Right. And then he – I'm getting ahead of us, but he cleans up everything before his parents get home. I don't understand why he keeps all this a secret. <laughs> why are, Why is the break-in a secret? Why is any of this a secret? I don't know. Yeah. I think it's the child intuition of, if anything, if anybody finds out about this, I'm not going to be able to do it anymore. Yeah. He likes being on his own. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more when he goes to the grocery store. Uh, but this is enough to freak Kevin out. He's scared to death. He goes and hides under his mom and dad, his mom and dad's bed. Uh, it would be scary. Yeah. And... We cut back to uh, the family finally getting to France, which that was a pretty quick flight, if you ask me. Uh, I've never flown to France, but I would imagine it would take a little longer than that. Uh, uh, it's like 14 hours or something. Hmm. I don't know. Well, I guess if you think he hasn't been there a full day by no, himself. still the same day. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I like when they get to the the airport and she just snatches the phone away from the lady at the pay phones and she's talking French. She doesn't care. She's just like, Oh, and then, then the guy on the phone is talking French. Oh, she'll have to call you back. Yeah. It's, it's a good little performance from, from Catherine O'Hare here. She's so, she's so great in this. And she really, I mean, she has to sell that she's a good mom, that she really cares about the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you didn't have a, like the, the right performance for the mom, is crucial here. I think, mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. know, if, if somebody didn't play it quite right, you could feel, you know, you could turn on the mom. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But she, she remains, you know, very likable through this whole thing. And really, mm-hmm. so I, I don't miss Kevin when they're with the mom. I, I, I like that. Yeah. She I don't care she, for the rest of the family so much. Right. Like when they cut to the family in France, uh, that whole exchange there is where the movie kind of dies down a little bit. But I want to play this next scene because it is a scene that makes me laugh hysterically every single time I, I see it. And it, it's good audio. So 
Let's uh, let's play this. Is it from this movie? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Only a wimp would be hiding under a bed. And I can't be a wimp. I'm the man of the house. <laughs> <laughs> under that bed is so clean, by the way. Yeah. Their whole house is hey! clean. Even Buzz's room is clean. Yeah. Which is weird. They probably have a cleaning I lady. I said I'm not afraid anymore! But this Did is where we get our me? second I'm not glimpse anymore. of old man Marley. His... I love when he runs up the stairs and then screams into the camera. Yeah. <laughs> when he runs up the stairs. <laughs> the screaming in this movie is so good. His scream yeah. is so genuine right there, and it makes me laugh so hard every he single time. He has lots of great screams, and for all his great screams, they're not the greatest scream in this movie. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but that one is like, I love how the movie builds up to where we get to. And that's kind of where we come back to the slapstick aspect of this. Is I, if it would have been this way throughout the whole thing, I don't think this movie would be as as well regarded as it is. If we were just going balls to the wall like we are at the end of this movie, the whole movie, it wouldn't have been as genuine, in my opinion. And it's not that long. I I kind of remembered it being longer. Yeah. But watching it this time, like the final break in scene mm-hmm. where he's defending the house, is not super long. No, it actually goes by quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah, like he only hits him with a handful of stuff. I, I was kind of, I don't know. I just, in my memory, it, it's longer, but it's really not that long. Right. And we finally get someone to get through to the police. And these police are horrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just like every movie we watch. <laughs> every movie we watch from the 80s is like, the cops are worthless. <laughs> They're just wrapping presents and eating donuts yeah. and drinking coffee on on Christmas Eve and like nothing. I, the, the switching to the family crisis guy. Yeah. The family crisis is kind of upsettingly accurate. Yeah. <laughs> that like, you know, a nuanced situation mm-hmm. is difficult. You, you either get, you know, a or B, you, you right. know, and, and, and the guy's thinking, Oh, well, if you don't have all these insane scenarios, poisoning, all mm-hmm. these things, then, you know, we can't really help you, you know? <laughs> I like when they switch to him and he's eating the donut and a piece of it falls on the receiver of the phone and it continues to sit there throughout the the scene. Like he never like takes it off or or, or even acknowledges it. And eventually it just falls off of the phone. It it adds a bit of comedy that I don't think was, I can almost guarantee you was not written into the script anywhere. It's just something that happened on camera and they decided to keep it, but it makes that scene so much funnier. yeah. Yeah. And that's Larry Hankin, the guy we've talked about before. Yeah, we saw him in planes, trains, and automobiles. But it would help if the cops identified themselves when they went to Yeah, they don't Kevin. say police. Exactly. They just bang on the door and walk away. Yeah. And obviously, if there's a kid in there who's eight years old. And even the cops you know, Maybe he won't answer the door. Like, maybe you need to go look in. Or yeah. maybe. Yeah. Even, the, even the cops' sarcastic response. Tell them to count their kids again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you think I'd be going through all of this if I wasn't sure my kid is yeah. at home alone? I assure you, we've counted the kids. Yeah. Thoroughly. Well, she also doesn't say that her son is eight years old. Right. When she's talking right. to the cops. She just says, my son. Yeah. 
That's true. It's it's a you know it's we can't get into the muck and mire of, of yeah. a long conversation yeah. you know of at the police station. It's mm-hmm. we got thirty seconds for this scene, so let's just set, right. set it up here. We called the cops, didn't work. Mm-hmm. Move on. So we get to the next day, and he's waking up. And this scene with him talking to himself in the mirror is another genius spot with Macaulay Culkin. I like I like what he's talking to himself about and how he he tried this different kind of body wash or something and he put it in his belly button. (laughs) Yeah, he cleaned his belly button. (laughs) Which I never tried before, but sort of enjoyed. (laughs) So he's never cleaned his belly button willingly. Probably not. Yeah, just Um, gross. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's eight. He's probably only been showering by himself for a couple years. Yeah. A few years. Maybe before that, it was a bubble bath. And um, we get the, the famous, you know, iconic scene of him putting the brute on his face and screaming into the mirror. Yeah, the aftershave. Um, always confused me as a kid. I didn't get it. And even as an adult, like, I, when I put aftershave on, it doesn't burn. I'm not sure why that was such a iconic yeah, I mean, scene it really, in this movie. It really only burns if you shave right. first, but he didn't shave. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's maybe it would burn. Maybe it burned more in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it, it was stronger back then. But I love all the antics of him on his own. He's obviously resourceful because he knows Buzz has money tucked away. Mm-hmm. He climbs the shelves and destroys Buzz's room to get to it. I love that scene where the shelves break and he falls through all the shelves. Yes. <laughs> how they all all in the same spot straight down. And, yeah. And even how the shelves fall on Kevin and then there's one covering his head, like the side of his head. And yeah. then when he pulls his head out and he goes, Whoa. Yeah. Well, he does that after the, the sled, too. Yeah. It's kind of little thing he does. Which plays a little bit into the slapstick side of mm-hmm. this. You know, during his conversation to himself, he decided he figured out that he needed a new toothbrush. He couldn't find his toothbrush, probably because it's in his bag that somebody mm-hmm. packed and took to France. And uh, yeah, he's trying to be an adult here. He's, right, he's the man of the house. He's mm-hmm. so he's trying to act like a man with the aftershave. He wants to go shopping like an adult does. Yeah, do laundry. I could never stuff. fathom why he was interested in wanting to know why. If the toothbrush was approved by the American Dental Association. <laughs> it's probably something he saw on TV. Yeah. Or his mom said it one time or right. something. And, you know, we get another exchange with old man Marley here, which kind of plays into the creepiness a little bit when he slams his hand down and you see the cut, you know, his, his hands wrapped up in a bandage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you first. Yeah, walked- I, I remember being a kid and being as afraid of him. Mm hmm. I loved the reveal that he was a nice old man as a kid like that. Yeah. I, I was fully, uh, I was, I was sucked into the, to the fact that he was a scary neighbor. And then when I, fi- I was like, I remember being relieved as a viewer, like as a kid, being like, Oh, he's a nice old man. He's a grandpa. <laughs> it just goes to show you how, like they've really thought through a kid's frame of mind mm-hmm. in this movie, because I remember when I was little, at my Nana's house, me and my cousin would go take walks around the block. And we would pretend that we were in the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and we had picnic baskets and everything. And a little dog, stuffed dog, that we would take. So that was Toto. And there was one house around the block that we said was the Wicked Witch's house. I don't know why. We never saw anybody who lived there. 
but that was the Wicked Witch's house. Oh, it's like and it's like yeah, Nebolt Street house. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that until like you know I finally got some common sense. Yeah, you know, a couple of years later, or whatever, and but yeah. I, I remember that too. I remember being a kid and, and playing in the neighborhood and there was just like a creepy looking house or I remember my cousin's neighborhood. Uh, there was a house and the old lady would always be on the porch, but you couldn't tell through the screen, you know, mm-hmm. if she was out there or not. But if you walked by and if, you know, there were no sidewalks in this neighborhood. So you'd walk on the edge of the road and she, she literally, you know, unironically would say, get off my lawn. Right. Yeah. And it would scare, it would scare the shit out of us. <laughs> so you're like, Get off my lawn! And it was like, you know, she's behind like dirty screen, you can't even see her, and he's like, ah, you know. But yeah, that's totally a thing. The scary old person, old people are scary until they're your grandma or your grandpa, and then yeah. they're all well. They even play into the scary things. I mean, Kevin seems to be more scared about things in his house than he is in the big outside world. He, he, he has no problem going out and going to the store and going grocery shopping and, and all of that, but he's scared to death of the furnace in the in the, in the basement of his house. Uh, right. Which things is a real thing actually, for a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but things that are actually dangerous for him, he doesn't fully understand because yeah. he's, he's a child. He's, so he's, he's in, afraid of irrational things like right. a, you know, a neighbor who looks kind of creepy and then a furnace that makes bangs and or makes he's, noise. He's even scared of the attic. It's scary up there. Shit, that attic was awesome. I would have been sleeping up <laughs> there all the time. It was not scary. It was not scary. It was fully developed in there. It's not like it was some some cobweb yeah. covered place. Again, the 80s, the 80s and here we are early 90s, you know, rooms in the basement or rooms in the in the attic just kind of throwing that at us as kids is like that was the norm. I don't know anybody who had a room in their bed. Because everyone had a Mm -hmm. big, beautiful two-story house with a banister. And (laughs) every freaking movie, everyone had that. Mm -hmm. I mean, us Florida folk didn't have so much of that. Right. No basements. (laughs) No basements. (laughs) You know, our attics are are where we just stick boxes. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, you know, so yeah. So we, we move on to Marv and Harry we see them casing, a, or well, not casing a house, actually doing their deeds and mm-hmm. stealing some stuff from across the street from Kevin's house. Joe Pesci has one of the really good lines in this. You're one of the best cat burglars of the world, Marv. You think you can keep it down a little in there? <laughs> <laughs> but Marv is extra cruel with this whole wet bandits thing because not only are they just trashing people's houses, stealing their things, they are completely fucking these people's houses up. Yeah, they're flooding them. And they almost don't seem like that, like that harsh of criminals. Like cat burglar is one thing, but like completely destroying somebody's house is just like a step. Even Harry thinks it's too much. I mean, not enough to stop him, but yeah, it is unnecessarily cruel and really stupid. As you learn later that, of course, you can be tied to every crime that you commit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, you're, putting it you know your signature on everything but marv wants to be famous he wants to be infamous yeah mm-hmm. so and kevin's walking back from his exchange where he now believes he's a criminal mm-hmm. for stealing a toothbrush uh because old man marley scared him out of the store and here's another great scene where we get a good scream which again is not the best scream in this movie um <laughs> But I I like how they're coasting down the driveway arguing and Kevin's right there. And as close as that van comes to Kevin's face and he just, ah, 
screams. <laughs> Another one that cracks me up every time. It's very cartoony. It's really fun. And apparently they they filmed that in reverse. That's what I was going to say. I think they shot oh, it backwards. Yeah, they shot it backwards, but it looks great. It, yeah. it doesn't look like it was shot backwards at all. No, no. No, I mean the way it looks, it looks like they they come this close to hitting mm-hmm. Kevin right in the yeah. right in the face with yeah. the grill of that van. Yeah. But they It looks great and it is funny. Yeah. They yell is. at him to watch out for traffic. Now, Kevin is on the sidewalk. Yeah. And they're coming out of a driveway. I'm pretty sure Kevin has the right of way as a pedestrian. Uh, Santy doesn't visit the funeral homes, little buddy. Yeah. Kevin needs a better poker face. Yeah. Because he recognizes Harry. And this is another instance when Harry, Harry's intuition helps yes. him. Where he goes, something's not right. That kid looked at me funny. Like, yep. Marv would have never noticed that. And Kevin, and Kevin's one of the only ones who notices a detail about the cop in the beginning that he has a gold tooth, mm-hmm. and that's where that's he 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 makes it from there. He's oh, this is the guy that was in my house. It's really smart how he runs across the church and hides in the manger scene. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was so cool. Yeah, as I love a kid. that part because <laughs> it's like I, I don't know if I ever would have thought to like just drape something over myself and blend into this to the surroundings. Yeah. But that just, again, it shows how resourceful Kevin is about things. For an eight-year-old, like, again, the whole aspect of him being afraid to pack his suitcase is going to come back again and again for me because he he does things that I probably never would have did as an eight-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's pretty clever, mm-hmm. little guy. Yeah. But, you know, he's, he's, he's put in a scenario where he has to, mm-hmm. you know, where he's up to this point, he really hasn't. Yeah, and so much so that he knows that these guys, I mean, he's already put together that they're the ones who are snooping around the house, and he's experienced them again in his neighborhood. Now, like, he goes home. When these guys come back, I'll be ready. And he sets up all this stuff to make it look like there's people in the house. Again, as a kid, I was, like, blown away that this kid had the intuition to to come home and do what he did. Now, the likelihood of all this stuff working the way it works is impossible. It's quite an elaborate ruse. But I always loved that he had the Michael Jordan standee on the train, the other one, the, the mannequin on the turntable going around in circles. Uh, I'm not sure what all his dancing with the ropes was supposed to do. Cause I think it moves the two other mannequins who are. Yeah. 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 The they're window. like puppets. Yeah. But why does his family have so many mannequins? Well, we don't find out their profession or anything. Maybe his mom is a stylist or a, or a fashion it's person or something. I think this is where we go to where they're at in France. And everybody is just sitting around the brother-in-law's house. Frank is showing that he's a jerk off because he's handing out hors d'oeuvres that aren't meant for right now. I do like the conversation between the sister and Buzz here, though, because the sister is genuinely worried. And Buzz mm-hmm. is just like, the kid could use a few days in the real world, you know. <laughs> One thing that always stood out to me about this scene, though, is when Buzz is talking about, um, she says, you're not at all worried about Kevin. He says, no, for three reasons. A, I'm not that lucky. (laughs) Two, we have smoke detectors. And D, (laughs) we live on the most boring street in the United States of America. Again, watching a classic Christmas movie within a Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. Yep. A wonderful it's life. almost like at this point you have to have a classic Christmas movie in your Christmas movie for it to be a Christmas movie. 
You, yeah. uh, well, no, you have to have Just, It's a Wonderful Life in your Christmas <laughs> movie. I do wonder yeah. how many movies It's a Wonderful Life is in. Yeah. I, I thought to it's got to be it, in more movies did. than any other movie. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the infamous pizza delivery scene. Mm-hmm. And I have problems with this. Okay. First thing, if the phones don't work, how did he order a pizza? Oh, they're fixed now. If the phones are fixed now, why aren't the parents calling the phone multiple times? <laughs> Maybe they are and he's not answering it because he doesn't want to be found out. That is the most Maybe. likely excuse. Maybe. Maybe he ordered the pizza from not, the payphone after going to the store. Not online. By the, by the church. <laughs> <laughs> just order it online, man. They don't have DoorDash in 1990. Right. That's one thing that bothers me about this scene. I like that he says bring it to the back door, all that good stuff. But he's gotten so good with what, you know this Angels with Filthy Souls movie. This kid's a Jedi with a remote <laughs> control. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I know... He's jumping all over the place. I know yeah. all of us... On this podcast, have tried like queuing something up with a VCR and like trying to like hit something like that. No fucking way. Like, yeah. I, well, and that that gets worse in the second movie. Absolutely, the, it does with the recorder because <laughs> he just jumps to perfectly exactly where he needs to be. Right. He doesn't even have a visual aid of the video to yeah. look at. And there are two scenes. There are two scenes in this movie that they repeat. Um. One is this one. They do this here, and then they do it again with Harry and Marv, or, or Marv. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the one that I have more of a problem with because of such precise timing with the remote control. It's just so impossible that he could have gotten all that right. Yeah, he kind of just lets it play with Marv. Yeah, with Marv, he just kind of cues it, and Marv thinks there's someone in the house arguing. That works. Also, the lack of fireworks the first time through, because yeah. just hearing gunshots on a television don't doesn't... Mm-hmm. Isn't going to sell it. Right. We can't take away stupid. from the comedy of it. It makes for good comedy. It is funny. But don't you think sure. that pizza delivery guy would have gone back to work and been like, dude, they were shooting at me. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, I'm why, never going back there again. Yeah, why weren't police dispatched yeah. to this house? Because he heard gunshots. <laughs> yep. uh, there's just a lot about it. I mean, it, of course it's played for the comedy, but watching it as an adult, a lot of it makes no good sense whatsoever now. I want to bring this up, too, because the next day, I mean, he's got his whole cheese pizza just for himself. But we cut to the next day, and we have another another scene in the bathroom. And he's doing the classic scene with the boop, 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 boop. That's and great scene. I love the soundtrack of this movie. The, the thing about this scene is, is they do the hands on the face with the, the aftershave again. Why did they have to do this twice in the movie? Like, what about it? Like, it would have worked fine in this scene with the way they cut it with the spider. Like, it's almost horror movie-ish. I think we would have been fine in the scene where he does it the first time if they would have cut it out of that one. It's just, it's the thing of the movie. And they're just milking it. I mean, that is the biggest thing. You walk out of this movie, it was the put my hands on my face and scream. Yeah. And I don't know why. Like, I don't know why that's more special than other things that happen in this movie. Because there's other stuff that happens in this movie that is way more iconic to me. It's just what I mean, yeah. That was the marketing We're just 30 years removed from it. Yeah. But that was the thing. Yeah, they went to that well twice and people ate that shit up, man. And ate it up. Again, I don't want to get too deep into the The sequel. easy laugh. I don't want to get too deep into the sequel, but um, I was thinking about it today, and they don't go to that gag in that movie. We haven't watched it in a little while. I'd like to go back and watch it again, but for the life of me, I cannot remember them doing that gag in that movie. 
It's almost like they like they just abandoned it in this one. Well, I mean, they they take so much and reuse so much from this movie in the second movie. Right. So. Right. I mean, gosh. And that's why, it, like, at the time, it would have been like, how are you going to do this again? With the, uh, you're going to do the same stuff, and how do you amp that? Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's iconic, and I don't really understand too much of why. I, I guess I get it for the time, but watching it now, it's like that's not what I know this movie for. And I don't think we had to go to the well twice for it in this movie. Um, I think the first scene where he's talking to himself in the mirror is strong enough on its own without having to end it with that. And then you could have done it with this scene where it kind of plays a little more, a little more natural. It could have been, that could have been one scene too. You could kind of combine the two yeah. into one scene. I mean, hell, they could have, they could have tested audiences with just one and then added another one in at the end. I don't know how it would have went in that regard, but I feel like they go to that well one too many times in the movie. It's it's funny one time, twice is like, eh, you know. Yeah, I think some of the screaming at the camera stuff is a little overdone in this. It it, it that's where it feels kind of like a kids movie. You know, sometimes he he screams at the camera, and I love it. Yeah, but it it does it does happen a few extra times. The mm-hmm. the head shake after falling, you know, mm-hmm. like some of that stuff gets a little in the goofy zone for right. me. And there's another thing we'll get to that is a little in the goofy zone that I don't love, but, but he's getting ready to go to the grocery store. And as he's checking out with all of his items, maybe I'm alone in this, but I feel like the clerk is completely out of line asking him these questions. I do not think do you, she's out of line. I don't either. No, I think they're completely reasonable questions that every adult he has an interaction with should be like, asking him. Yeah. Because she's the only person that actually goes, where are your parents? Yeah. Where's you're your mom? an eight year old who's alone. Yeah. But he's so I mean, sly to play it off the way he does. I, I, I like the way he closes the conversation. Um, yeah, yeah. I can't tell you because you're a stranger. Mm-hmm. It's a great. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that negates itself in that conversation too because she checks out, she, she, she rings up the army men and he says, for the kids. And then she goes, how about your brothers and your sisters? She goes, I'm an only child. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. Something about it to me is he's there she's talking to him. She's having a normal conversation. He doesn't seem like he's in any kind of a distraught situation. I don't know. I felt like she might've been prying a little too hard. Nope. Okay. You're just a really private guy, man. I guess. I would argue she didn't pry hard enough because he is still allowed to leave the store all by himself. (laughs) Right. And she should have double bagged those things. Cause yeah. Yeah. I love, I love when the bags break and he just stands there. (laughs) That's a great, Case Dead in point, like <laughs> that is a better gag than the aftershave thing to me. But he's, he, this is all him learning what it's like to be an adult. Yeah. You, you have to take care of all these things. You have to do the laundry. You have to clean up. You have to, sometimes your grocery bags break, you know, like you've, you've had a rough day. Maybe that's why you, you don't want to be a, you know, do everything that your kid asks you to every second. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, he, I, he gets a taste of responsibility here. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Well, I want to get into some Almost Famous. Almost Famous. I know that yeah. dude. I, I know, know that dude. Haven't you ever heard of that guy? What, what, that guy who was in that movie that was out last year. Woo! All right. I got Robert Blossom, who is Old Man Marley. Uh, you would have seen him in Christine and stuff before that, like uh, Escape from Alcatraz and his, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Good one, good um, one. It, I know him from this and Christine more than anything, so 
whenever I see him on screen in this and he's got that like scowl on his face, I kind of want him like when he approaches Kevin in the church, I almost want him to walk up to Kevin and go shitter. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a different movie. That would be Um, a very different movie. Um, I wrote down John Hurd because totally, totally. While you know him from all these movies, like, I feel like you asked me, you show me that photo and tell me to name the actor. Yeah. No way. I, but I would say I've seen a million movies with that guy in it. Yep. He's the guy. If I were going to, if, if I knew him from something, it would have, would have been this. And what do you think the other movie would be? I have to look at his IMDb. <laughs> it's cheating. It's cheating, but he, there's I'm definitely looking at something your notes, to think. So. Yeah, he, he's been in a lot of stuff. Oh, big. Yeah, big. big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is so special about Baskin? Like, that part of big always sticks with me. Uh, I, I also want to call out Bill Irwin, the old man in the um, airport. Yeah, we've yeah. mentioned him on the show already one time. Uh, plane, trains, yep. automobiles. Yep. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to point out the curly-haired girl in this group of children. Uh, she's not not his sister. She's one of the other cousins. Or one something. of the cousins. Okay. Yeah, she's yeah. got the long, dark, curly hair. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've seen her in like a million things. She's always just some like side person <laughs> who's in something, and. So I remember her most. She was also on my so-called life. Ah. She fell in love with Ricky, who was gay. So like that was not going to work out. But I, she's one of those that I always saw. Yeah, nice. Uh, I've got one more. Uh, Michael C. Morona, the the redheaded kid from Pete and Pete. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I would go, if we're talking almost famous here, I'd go Robert Blossom or John Hurd. John Hurd was probably more of the, like, you'd put him above somebody else, I think. What's the guy that we that we said we should name this after? Because I they, those two are very similar career-wise. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, they, you know we've, we've joked around with, like, the Clint Howard Award. Uh, yeah. Clint Howard is, is, is your prime guy. Uh, we talked about... Um, was it Harry Dean Stanton in one episode? Yeah, I John Hurd's my man on this one. Yeah, that dude's worked so much, and and he just always stays a little under the radar. Yeah. But he's good. Unfortunately, not with us anymore. Yeah. Oh no. Shame. No. I also wrote down Larry Hankin, which we talked about from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah. The cop with the donut on the phone. I've seen him in a few yeah. things. So. Mm-hmm. But we'll move along into finally she's uh, the mom. Uh, has gotten to another airport in Scranton. Or we've already missed. She's the, gone several places. Yeah. She bartered her way out of France with the old man that Eric brought up. Yeah, with some with five hundred bucks, two first class tickets, earrings. Do you think a ring, they still took all pocket that translator, <laughs> uh, a fake Rolex? Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you think they they still accepted all that on the trade? I've yeah. always said, wondered that myself. I, I feel I'm like. You. Uh, Mother to a mother. Yeah. yeah I They're like, yeah, give me your wedding ring. Give me your <laughs> your wedding ring off your hand. That's low. I mean, oh, those, I feel like that that old, old those old folks were crafty. plenty comfortable. Could, oh, that old lady wanted that shit so mm-hmm. bad. I could also throw her into Almost Famous. I didn't look up her name, but she was in a few of the Police Academy movies, and I knew her from those. Uh, and she's pretty funny in the Police Academy movies. I'd love to talk about some of those on the show at some time. Uh, 
But she's gone from one place to, you know, she, she bartered her way there to Scranton. Now she's in Scranton and we get the lovable John Candy again. Oh, he's so Sweeping good in, in to save the day. They missed an opportunity to make him the same character from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles here. I, mean, I don't know. I... I love the polka aspect of it. It's very fun and funny. And and the exchange between he and her where he think he's, you know, he's a little pretentious and thinking that his polka band is more than what it is. And she has right. no idea who he is. Uh, but I love that she humors him. And then eventually she's like, I'm sorry, did you say you could help me? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Apparently he he uh, improvised all of his lines for the most part. I'm finding that more and more <laughs> common with John Candy, like, and a lot of comedians feel the need to, to improvise. I I mean I guess they uh, Columbus and and John Hughes are known for that. I mean of course yeah. the, the you know Hughes does that at in the uh, in the Breakfast Club quite mm-hmm. a bit, just like just lets him go and see what happens, which right. is interesting. I mean. His his, all of his stuff about his, the the names of his songs, you know that he lists off. I mean, polka, is he just polka, like polka. firing these off? Like, <laughs> what a genius! And even when you cut to them driving in this truck, which is again very unlikely that they would be playing music driving in the back of a big truck like this. But when you cut to them playing their polka music, and he's even trying to get her to play the clarinet. Again, presumptive thinking like, oh, here, just try playing the clarinet. Like, it's that freaking easy. (laughs) (laughs) I love when he's like, no, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she has to put that stern look on her face like, no. (laughs) And it's a great thing. I mean, I I love that it's here in this movie. And it gives us a couple of really funny moments and a couple of really heartfelt moments later. So, And he talks about leaving his kid at the funeral parlor. Yeah. All day, and it's and he's like, it hangs out with a corpse. I mean, my god! Like, honestly, a little worse of a situation, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, definitely worse. So, I think that well, might also put Catherine O'Hare's character in a, in in this position of well, maybe things could be worse. <laughs> yeah, if she only knew that two men like nearly killed her son. Yeah, that, that night. <laughs> That's uh, worse than a corpse. Yeah. yeah. So this is where we see that. Marv and Harry are scoping out the house because they got to know what's going on. They they got confirmation that they're in Paris from hearing a phone call that they were in another that, that their neighbors got when they were robbing their house. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go back and Marv goes to the door to see if he can figure out what's going on. And we get our second callback with Angels with Filthy Souls, mm-hmm. which works a little bit better. Um, I kind of like that Marv just kind of sits there and, and listens to what's going on. And yeah, you mentioned the firecrackers earlier. Like it's another added level of this that makes it a little more believable. Cause yeah, definitely. I mean, fire, you wouldn't expect firecrackers on the other side of that door. Right. You know, all that together, you could, you could buy somebody would think that there's actually a gun going off. Right. And when he gets back to the van and he starts explaining to Harry that someone was in there and got blown away and they're stuck on the name Snakes. I don't snakes. know why it's so funny that they keep going back. But I, I think it's they've seen the movie and they just can't, like it sounds familiar, but they can't, they can't figure <laughs> out why. You know what I mean? Snakes, snakes. I feel like I've heard that before, but yeah, yeah, that is funny. They decide that they're going to sit and wait and see if anybody comes out of the house because if they do get picked up for for robbing these houses and they talk about a murder in the area, that there's, there's going to need to be some witnesses. Yeah. 
And that's when they, they, they finally hung around long enough to see that Kevin is the one that's been doing all this. He yep. goes out to cut down the top of a tree so he can have a Christmas tree to decorate on New Year's Eve, which again, Christmassy. very Clark smart. Clark Griswold style. Yeah. And, um, and Joe Pesci is great here. And I think we've been scammed by a kindy guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they figure all this out. They, they they look in the window. He's decorating the tree. And, you know, Joe Pesci's like, we're coming back, 9 o'clock, doing it. And Kevin overhears all of this. I honestly don't think Kevin had enough time to do all the things in this house. <laughs> no way. That he sets up for these guys in the, in the time well, they give Well, what him. time is it when they say that? We well, don't know. We're assuming what if that was 8 a.m.? I mean, he had all day well, we've, to we've already had the exchange with the... But he hasn't started getting ready... Until after he goes to the, to church. the church. Right. Oh, which is dark. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe he did some pre-planning stuff. <laughs> he d- he had enough time to draw schematics. He drew the schematics beforehand, <laughs> and then he put it all together. Yeah, yeah. Night. That was all drawn ahead of time. So he knew what he was going to do. He said, this will take me about two hours. I got to paint the tar on the stairs. Run. The- it's not that much, really. <laughs> The way they the, 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 the fake party was more work than what he puts in at the end here. Maybe. Don't you think? I don't know. Well, there, there's a lot of elaborate stuff in here because, I mean, there's got to be time. Some of it's not that elaborate. Elaborate. In, in this one, you're right. In this one, they do tone it down because a lot of it is just natural, like frozen steps and, and things yeah, of that nature. The, the, the most complicated thing was probably the, the uh, blowtorch on the doorknob. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything else is pretty basic. You know, uh, pretty simple stuff. But he still has to run the rope to the the zipline rope. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's a lot to do. I mean, you know. And I don't I don't want to I don't want to skip over the church scene with him and Marley because this is when we finally get the reveal that Marley is not a bad guy, and the 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 dialogue between he and Kevin is very nice and very heartfelt. And again, Macaulay Culkin's chops here are really good. And it, I love that it's an old man giving advice, and he's taking advice from a young, a young person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I always thought there was something special about how those two help each other get farther along in their stories. Yeah, um, definitely, it's it's sweet, and and you know, Kevin gives the old guy a, a perspective of like, I know, I I wish my dad would talk to me, yeah. like. I think that's really the line where the old guy goes, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I can do this. But I wonder what his his uh, his history was, the old guy. He says a lot of people say things about me that aren't true, and then... I like that they throw that in my, there. Yeah. They throw that, a lot of, they've said a lot of things about me, but they're not true. Like, it gives a little bit more mystery to this whole thing. Like, is there... Uh, just another victim of the cancel culture. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Old man Marley was canceled. He made uh, he made an inappropriate joke at a cookout, and everyone just blackballed him for the rest of the world. Um, but I, there's even the you know when Kevin says call your son, and he says what if he won't talk to me? Like just the the concern in in Marley's tone and his face as they're talking. Like it's a very good scene, and it's a good performance by him as well. Yeah, the, the old man. And even at that point, Jenny also brought up, like, wouldn't he be a little suspicious that this kid's here by himself and he's always seen this kid by himself? Mm-hmm. And we we do see later that th- this comes back into play. Like, he's kind of keeping an eye on Kevin. 
I think he knows maybe there's a weird situation going on, so that's why he's always in the same place as Kevin in certain spots. But I have a massive question at the end of this movie, but okay, we'll, we'll wait for it. All right, I guess it kind of ties into this, but um, yeah. After this whole exchange, he realizes it's his house; he's got to defend it. So let's set this thing up. He also has a quick talk with the local Santa. Yeah. 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 And he gets some Tic Tacs. <laughs> uh, apparently Chris Farley auditioned for that oh, really? role and did not get it for that oh. reason. That would have been a better almost famous person to have there. Because <laughs> I, I thought about person. I thought about including the guy who plays Santa in Almost Famous, but I can't really place him in much else. I think he's been in a handful of other things, but I don't think he's one of those guys that you would notice a lot. Yeah. Also, this guy also is not concerned about this kid at night alone talking about how he wishes he had his family back. I mean, yeah. there are red yeah. flags just <laughs> flying yeah. all over this movie. You're um, right. Yeah. And, and yeah, that was before the church scene. So we, we get all this exchange. Like he, Kevin is at that point where he realizes that it's not such a good thing to not have a family. And he really does need someone there too. Not only does he realize that he can't handle all this alone, but like he misses the love and affection that he does get from his family when he gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it builds it builds that that relationship with he and his mom and really cements it there. So he, he I like that Kevin has that arc throughout this. But so, now we get into the real meat of this movie. Yeah. Yes. He doesn't even get a bite of his mac and cheese. So sad. Because nope. it looks oh, so good. It looks He's sick. got a battle on an empty stomach. It does look good. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he lays out his schematics. He starts going through the process of setting all this stuff up. Had any of you seen this uh, charcoal lighter that he puts on the doorknob before this movie? No. Me neither. No, no, no. Um, I, I always wondered what it was, and I don't really know if it would have the effect that, it's, that it has in this movie if he did that. But it I mean, again, like a lot of this is played because it's going to be played for laughs, but... I always thought that was a weird thing. Like, I didn't know what it was or why he had it. Yeah. yeah. It's very cartoony the way all these work. Mm-hmm. I mean, very Looney Tunes. Yeah. Well, I, keep I mean, mentioning it, Looney Tunes in, our, in these movies that we're watching, but it's it's unmistakable. I mean, he tars and feathers them. He, you that, know, that's the thing about this things. movie is is these these traps seem a little unlikely that, that he could A, do them in the time he does them and B, that they would work properly. But there's like, most of the stuff he does in this is cemented in a little bit more of a reality than we get in the second movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah. He, a lot of these are very basic. Yeah. There's a couple Just, with some rope lines that would need to work with pulleys properly, but yeah, most things are, are very simple, mm-hmm. including our, our first one where he shoots him in, in the nuts with an air rifle. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so goddamn funny <laughs> when it goes through the dog door and it's just lining it up and then kabam. <laughs> oh my god, I can't even imagine. What? What happened? I love the 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 production aspect of this movie, knowing that Joe Pesci is very foul mouthed. Mm-hmm. And his, it was known for all these gangster movies and, and foul-mouthed uh, roles that he had done. And and that's who he is as an actor as well. And it was hard for him to get through this movie. I think well, it's so smart that they played it the way they played it, where he just does all this under-his-breath stuff. But it's, Where he's Yosemite Sam? Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. And talking about Looney Tunes, I mean, he is literally doing a Yosemite Sam impression. Yeah. Right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but a BB gun to the face would would draw blood. Like, um, it 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 depends uh, on what you is this a this isn't an air rifle, right? Even though it kind of has an air puff, I think it's a spring loaded BB it's, gun. Yeah, because he he only cl- clicks it once to shoot it, right? Yeah, I can't remember, but a spring loaded. Maybe not. You could shoot somebody with a BB, and it might break the skin, but I don't know. Yeah. It'll hurt like a son of a bitch, though. Right. Uh, Particularly, right, you know, point blank <laughs> in the face. And, and the <laughs> fact that they give you enough, that, that they give Marv enough time to react to it, like he it hits him and he pauses for a second before he reacts to it, makes it that much more funny. The cells by uh, by the, the burglars, the cells by Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern yeah. are hysterical i mean that's some of the funniest stuff in this movie is them going full uh three stooges yeah just getting and and i I like that when you first get in like a lot of what's happening to them is happening in tandem like Mm -hmm. they're experiencing the same thing just on different different ends of the house you know pesci can't get up the stairs he keeps falling down daniel stern just goes straight down the attic steps or the, the, the basement steps. And I yeah, love the when symmetry, f- the symmetry of them dealing with the steps at the same time, but one's going up and one's going yeah. down is, is so fun. And I love when Marv falls down the steps and he gets a little, like he, the vibrato he gets when he falls down the steps. But this, and is, I love that little platform at the bottom. That's all ice. So yeah. he can, he's trying to stand up and he's his feet are slipping and he, out of the side. And he finally just spreads his legs out in, in, yeah. in, a, in a Y. But from the moment all this stuff starts is where, in my remembrance of this movie's first watch, is where it holds so dear to me. Is because from the moment he shoots him in the crotch to going down these stairs and all the hijinks that are going on, my dad and my Uncle Ross were laughing so hard. And we were laughing at what was going on, but the fact that it was affecting them to the point that it was, was just mind-blowing to me. And I almost love this movie more for just giving me that memory of seeing my stepdad laugh as hard as he did Mm -hmm. watching this movie than, than just having the movie in general. That's the magic of movies, man. Yeah. It becomes tied into your life sometimes, you know, and you just, the, the experience of watching the movie becomes the memory as much as the movie is, you know? And I Um, think we'll get, and they, the, the, the pace at which they do these, Mm-hmm. is so perfect where like as soon as you're calming down from one yeah. another one hits yeah. you and you, it could really get you into a tizzy of just laughing your ass off mm-hmm. for about 15 or 20 minutes you know <laughs> and i like that they play into the little aspects of it too like just him trying to get up the stairs in the front of the house and holding on to the bar and then even him using like him getting to the bottom of the basement steps and the crowbar is there, and when he falls, the crowbar falls on his head. <laughs> yeah. You know, just those little things, and then the comedy of could, him crowbarring the door, and then all of a sudden he just opens it, and it wasn't locked the whole time. <laughs> and even yeah. Jenny was like, he just fucked that door up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and and kudos to the to the um, whatever stunt guys did some of these falls too, because yeah. like that second fall that Joe Pesci has to do where he flips over and he like lands on the stairs. Like mm-hmm. that is brutal. Right. Brutal. I don't know how you get up for that from that one. But at the, Daniel Stern finally gets in the house 
and just walking around the basement, creepy basement, um, the iron to the head <laughs> and the fact that they do the makeup on him to where it looks like yeah. the iron was on. So great. Um, finally, Joe Pesci gets to the door and burns his hand on the doorknob. And I like that they have the McAllister, uh, yeah. the M on the doorknob. So, and that comes back into play in the next movie, which mm-hmm. is good. Um, it always reminded me of, uh, of, uh, Raiders. When yeah. The guy burns his hand on the medallion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, one of my favorite aspects of this is Marv going up the stairs. Yeah. And I saw losing some a shoe, losing a sock. Yeah. <laughs> Working his way up. <laughs> and I saw a thing on Facebook that made me laugh really hard. It was, it was this scene of him going up the stairs and it was something to the effect of, I've watched so many horror movies in my life, but nothing makes me wince like watching this scene where his foot goes down on that nail. That's true. That's true. That is, an, that is like a, a, sh- a shivering moment where you just go, you know, like, well, coming from someone who's actually stepped on a nail. Yeah. Ooh. That shit hurts. <laughs> uh, shortly after the hurricane, I was walking around our yard with uh, shoes on, but nonetheless, did not see a nail sticking up from a board and went straight through my shoe into my foot. It was not a fun oh, sight. God. But yeah, I mean, and and how he grabs his foot and falls down the stairs is classic. Yeah. And, and I love even when he goes out of the attic, he slips and falls on the ice again. Or I All keep of saying Daniel attic, Stern's, lo- yeah. It, it, Daniel Stern kind of steals the show here at the end. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, every scene that he's in where he's hurting himself mm-hmm. and his reactions and his screams are so funny. Yeah. And Joe Pesci comes back to the back door, and that's where we get our blowtorch to the head scene. Again, something that would leave third-degree burns on your head, and you probably need to go straight to the hospital. But it's well, also you probably wouldn't sit there and you know comically scream while yeah. it continued to right. burn your head. You'd probably move as soon as it shot at you. But right, and yeah. but yeah. again, the, the stunt guy—the way they play that in the head's on fire and he dives head first into the snow—is is great. And even when Joe Pesci gets up and he's touching his head and he's like, ah, ah, you know, all that yeah. shit. Uh, but he kicks the door down. He's like, he's done with this shit. Mm-hmm. He, he, where are you, you little creep? So I want to get into, uh, you're going to need a bigger quote. You're going to need a bigger quote. A lot of the best signs of this movie come in, in this scene or in this segment of scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get Joe Pesci in that. I'd like to where are you, little creep? But then you got Daniel Stern sees that there's an open window by the tree. And Eric brought up that, you know, we do top kills in horror movies. Well, do we want to do best trap in Home Alone? So we can get into it as we go through. But I think my favorite one is where we're at here when he goes into the window. Daniel Stern's or, or Marv's feet get fucked up in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so bad for him. But he goes in through that window and he thinks he's got it made. And. Ah! God! I'm going to kill that kid! <laughs> <laughs> Just, the explosion of the, the, the ornaments and the lights and stuff cracking or, or exploding yeah. and his reaction to it is so great. Those um, are apparently made out of sugar. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah kind of interesting but it is a really effective i mean it looks like he's stepping on and that's another cringy thing yeah stepping on broken glass and mm-hmm. um yeah and apparently he wore like rubber 
fake feet. If you look in certain spots where they're walking around, especially outside when they're on the snow and stuff, you yeah. can you can tell that he's got something on his feet. Little hobbit feet. He's got hobbit feet on. I guess they did that in Die Hard as well uh, with Bruce Willis. At, at yeah, I'm sure they did. But as as that's going on, Joe Pesci's going through the house, or Harry's going through the house and gets tarred and feathered, which is another great one. That's the biggest part of the cleanup of all this that I would be most worried about is like, how are you going to clean all these damn down feathers? feathers. <laughs> well, I've got some, I've got some quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, should th- do those now. Yeah. We're going to do those now. Um, I do want to go ahead and throw out the taglines here. Um, a family comedy without the family. When Kevin's family left for vacation, they forgot one minor detail, Kevin, but don't worry. He cooks, he cleans, he kicks some butt. That's way too long. Really long. Uh, it was good after Kevin. Yeah. They forgot um, one thing, Kevin. That's it. And then this non-family comedy is a real scream. Playing off of the whole screaming while he's putting the aftershave on. So who's got some quotes? I've got some. Uh, when Joe Pesci's in the house as the cop in the beginning, he says, all kids, no parents, probably a fancy orphanage. <laughs> Fuller go easy on the Pepsi. Say goodnight, Kevin. Good night, Kevin. Yeah. I actually, I pulled. Say goodnight, Kevin. Goodnight, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) I like the, Uh, when I grow up and get married, I'm living alone. That one's good. I made my family disappear. Yeah, that's a (laughs) good one. That's a good one. If it makes you feel any better, I forgot my glasses. (laughs) (laughs) He's so insensitive. Um, Let's see. I've also got. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah, that's the one that people quote a lot. Um, one of my favorites is this one. What? Harry? Why the hell did you take your shoes off? Why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? <laughs> <laughs> I had that one, too. And right after that, Kevin says, I'm up here, you morons. <laughs> it was like that one. Too. He's got that and he's got this one. You guys give up or you're thirsty for more? <laughs> And apparently that was improvised, that line. Oh, really? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And then there's also kind of a sentimental one when he's talking to Marley in the church. She says, you're never too old to be afraid. That's good. I like when Marv and Harry are getting ready to go in the house and they're like, we'll go around to the back door. We'll knock. Maybe he'll let us in. You'll never know. And Marv goes, yeah, he's a kid. Kids are stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I also liked... uh, Hiya, pal. Yeah. You know, and he catches him there. Um, I also like during the pizza scene when they're talking about how the pizza boy needs uh, money for the pizza. Uh, the aunt is like, Frank, you've got some money, right? And he goes, traveler's checks. Well, the dad says, you probably got the kind of traveler's checks that don't work in France. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's, I mean, has anybody got any more? I mean, that's, that's a pretty good handful. No, so. no, that's good. I'm good. But those are all great ones. Oh, I like when John Candy says, well, you brought it up when he, after he tells that whole story. About- <laughs> yeah. I've always kind of had an issue with peripheral vision and stuff like this, because if they were standing where they're standing, they would see blatantly that there are micro machines all over the floor. Well, they've they've had some recent head trauma. Yeah. I, 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 Maybe. And they're really focused on him. I, I could see them not seeing. 
There's a yeah. there's a pretty glaring one in the second movie, and we'll talk about that in the second movie. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, something about that has always sat weird with me. But I love that they come across the sound that they both make as they slip and fall on the floor is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is the thing that all of these hijinks is most known for, and the most iconic part of all of the the House of Terror is the paint cans on this on the stairwell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it played Another easy thing to set up. Yeah, it wouldn't take that long to set up, really. Now, according to MythBusters, this would have killed both yeah. of them. Yeah, they're dead. <laughs> uh, but this is where I mean, wait gets, to the second one when he gets hit from a he gets hit with a brick from like yeah, <laughs> the also top dead. Of the yeah, that's where we get into the unrealistic nature of the traps in that one. Uh, I mean, there's unrealistic stuff here, but I mean, it's just it, it's still rooted in more of a a reality and makes it a little more fun. They finally get upstairs, and this is where Kevin makes the call to the, the neighbor's house for the police. Now now we know that Kevin knows that the phone works. Well, first, uh, they catch him. No, 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 no. He makes the call and then yeah. runs across the hall. That's when they finally get up the stairs and trip over the tripwire. Mm. Um, yeah. This is where the he puts the... But you're right. The phone is working at this point. Yeah. So maybe yeah. he did order the pizza. So th- th- this he, is where he puts the tarantula on his face. Yeah, and I've got a clip of this that we're going to play. Oh, it's so good. Harry, help me get up! the scenes of that like Daniel Stern couldn't actually scream when they shot that um because of the spider he didn't mm-hmm. want to frighten the spider and, and they didn't want anything like that to happen so he had to to mime the scream and he had to do the scream in ADR afterwards oh interesting. I did not know that. but it matches up so perfectly yeah. and it is it's like I think next to the Wilhelm scream it's like <laughs> Best. Yeah. Well, that was one of my notes. Is this? This is certainly one of the most legendary screams in film history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, this this is one for the for all of film history that is yeah. just majestic. You know, Kevin's getting to his zip line now, and then when Marv gets up and goes after this spider with the crowbar, <laughs> and Joe Pesci has no idea what's going on. I do want to say I like that they cut back to the spider in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. how, how it works its way around into how it's going to play into the to the end game of this, um, but when he when he's Marv, what are you doing? <laughs> and when he drink when he brings that crowbar down on his rib cage and it makes that cracking sound, oh, dude! Like they put the perfect sound in there for that, and it, it makes me shiver every time yeah. I see it. But I love that Joe Pesci gets up and just starts. Baseball batting Marv with the crowbar. <laughs> How do you like it? Huh? <laughs> and you can hear like it, the sound effect they put on it is like a piece of like a metal bar hitting somebody. Like mm-hmm. it's so great. Uh, and then he just throws the the crowbar into the room. <laughs> That's one of the best scenes in this movie. Again, like something that I think is far superior to the whole hands on the face iconic scene that that people love in this. Uh, but they see that Kevin's gone on. Uh, you know, zip lined out to his treehouse. This is where Joe Pesci gets a little stupid because crawling down that zip line was not the best idea. No, he's trying, he's overthinking it. Yeah. yeah. And he, 
has a horrible burn on his hand. Yeah. I don't know yeah. how he's he could not holding on to this thing, but. I think Kevin makes probably his only major mistake in his trap here is he should have just left them dangling. It would have taken yeah. them much longer to get point. to him yeah. if he wouldn't have cut the line. Well, what exactly was Kevin's plan? Uh, and that's where my some of my questions come I think it's to run over to the neighbor's house that he gave the police and wait. What was his end game? But there, why though? would he wait? Because he, he is not with the police at the end. The police don't even know that he's in his house. Like, he's not there. It doesn't seem that he's even there when they when the police get there. He's yeah, at I home. Mean, and, and, and does that mean Marley doesn't know that he's home alone? Because would Marley have left him? Oh, go back home alone where you live. Well, I want to get what, into that a little bit. What happened with all this? Um, I, I'm not clear as to what Kevin's in-game was. Obviously, he got them out of the house, and that's part of the thing he wanted to do, but mm-hmm. I don't understand how going to the neighbor's house, where where that was supposed to end. and how. Like, exactly. He, he knows the cops are going to that house. Yeah. He's trying to draw the bad guys to the house. Was he just going to go into the house and then leave the house? Right. Hopefully Maybe. they get and, caught in there. Yeah, and hope the cops show up in the time that they're in the house. Because uh, he has no traps or anything over there. Um, but this is where Joe Pesci does outsmart him and, and go through. You know, they they know that that house is empty. They've been there before. Uh, yeah, it and, gets dark really quick here. When they catch him and they're talking about burning with a blowtorch, biting his fingers off. Well, it got, a, guys are, it got a little heated in the house anymore. where he talks about ripping off his cojones and boiling them in motor oil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I mean, the, you know, at this moment, it's not funny anymore. Like, right. no. oh, shit. Like, they really go all the way with it. They're not like, oh, I'm going to get you, you little jerk. I'm going to wring your neck. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to bite your fingers off one by one. Like, shit, did we just, like, step into seven or something? And comes like, dangerously close to it yeah. as well. Yeah. Like if old man Marley wasn't there, Kevin would be missing some fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the very least missing some fingers, probably dead. Uh, but yeah, old man Marley comes in and saves the day and he's, we got to get you home. Now at this point, if he's delivering a child to their house, just save them from, from two potential psychopaths. Yep. I think he would be a little more worried than just sending him on his way to his house. He'd be yeah, like, where are get, your get him back to his parents. I think we just have to chalk it up to all the adults in this movie are way too lax mm-hmm. with wondering why an eight-year-old is by themselves. I bit. just saved you from getting murdered. The mm-hmm. cops are showing up. Does Marley go home too? Does he, does he talk to the police or does he just well, leave we these two guys knocked out? We don't know. I, yeah. I know we don't know, but you know the the end of this doesn't add up. And then the 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 whole concept of why. I mean, he apparently cleans the house up by the morning. I mean, all this stuff. The again, not obviously Buzz's room, but <laughs> you know, we've got broken glass. We've got yeah. all kinds of you know, we've got broken door hinges and things like that. Like eventually, the parents are going to figure this out. I'm trying to remember if the parents reference if the parents ever reference or, or say anything in the other films about when Kevin thwarted a burglary, <laughs> like, do, you know, like, are they even ever, do they even find out? I don't think they know. I don't happened? think they do. And why hide it? Yeah. I mean, again, He's, once they're home, like around. guys, I saved the house. Yeah. I saved the house. Why wouldn't Kevin want to tell? And they even family? leave it open with the whole finding the gold tooth because it, you know, the paint can knocked 
Harry's well, that's tooth, another though. problem I have is stupid Peter. Hey, you just got back. You left your kid at home. You went to France. You just got back. You don't really know what's gone on while you're gone. Imagine finding a gold tooth. Yeah. In your in that house that in that house I I, I would be perplexed finding one in my house. Right. Mm-hmm. I'd go. Where the hell did this come from? Well, especially I mean. It, it may be gold. It may have value to it, but there's also a tooth there. Like well, the, that's the that's the weird thing. It's yeah. someone's yeah. tooth. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of kind of loose ends that don't get tied up. And I mean, they he didn't clean Buzz's room, as we learned. Mm-hmm. Um, Which also, it's weird that he would think to clean the whole house except for Buzz's room. <laughs> well, he can't fix those true shelves. Those shelves. Yeah. They're all broken, but. Um, I think there's a lot of things he couldn't fix. You can't clean that tar off the off the stairs. No, I mean even like, um, like I said, the 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 feathers for the tar and feathering. Like I, I can't even like it would take all night to clean yeah. all those feathers up. Like yeah. I, I, you you have no idea how far they got into the house. I think Kevin's got some splaining to do for sure. Uh, another weird thing though is we never see Kevin's room. I wrote that. We down never too. do. He always sleeps in his parents' room. Like, you yeah. would even think as an eight-year-old, even though you may have a small bed or a small room or whatever, like, that's your space. Mm-hmm. That's where you're supposed to feel most comfortable in your house. But we never get a glimpse of him in his room. What, in this what movie is weird or, about it? Or the second movie. Is that, yeah, it's clearly a decision. Because mm-hmm. it's just too weird for it not to be there. It ha- Someone decided for some reason. Yeah. And I even brought that up in the beginning of the movie when they're establishing everyone in the house that he's got to sleep in the in the attic. Why wouldn't he be sleeping in his own room? But you've also got that with National Lampoon. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, maybe he was displaced room. by yeah. He's the youngest. He, you know, right. <clears throat> so, favorite trap? Did we do the favorite trap? We need to do it. I would say mine's the the tree ornaments and and how that goes down. How about how about you guys? I think. Just all the slipping on the ice is probably my favorite. It's just, it looks so painful, mm-hmm. like, to have mm-hmm. the air knocked out of you that way. Right. Yeah. Eric, you got anything in particular? Yeah, I'm going to go the, the stairs with the nail in it. Because mm. it's just so brutal, and it's so funny how he loses a shoe, then the other shoe, then a sock, then the other sock. Yep. It's just... That just does it for me. And you get a good scream there, too. You get a good Daniel Stern scream. Yeah. Yep. So. That one's a lot more bassy. The one we get later is a lot more high-pitched. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would think, I would have picked the spider, but that's not really a trap. So Right. That That's a very luck of the <clears throat> luck of the draw in the right place in the right time, sort of. And again, like the way that they cut back and forth to the spider and how it plays into the end part of that works perfectly. But yeah, I mean, it's not something he could have ever planned for. If it weren't for the spider being there, he would have been pretty screwed in that moment. Yep. The spider and Marley both save him. Otherwise, yeah. he would be a dead yep. dead kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've already talked about how, you know, John Candy and the mom have the conversation in the truck about leaving the kid in the funeral parlor. And she finally gets home. She didn't want to wait in France this whole time to get home. And she she finally gets there. And I like that Kevin kind of plays with her a little bit. Yeah, he's got a pouty face. Almost like he's been traumatized by this. And Well, he doesn't turn till she apologizes. True. 
either. Like, I, I think there's, there is some real conflicted energy there where he, mm-hmm. he's like, you, you know, what did you do to me? Why did you leave me? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but of course I, when they hug, it's so like, it gets me every time. Yeah. Like that, that moment when they, when she gets home and his mom's home and there's just that feeling of like, yeah. Or even when all the brothers and, you know, all the siblings are realizing he survived on his own this whole time. Yeah. You know, but even Buzz says, you know, I'm impressed. You didn't burn the place down. Um, Even when shopping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Did laundry. But I like that they also close out on Kevin walking to the window and watching and seeing that the exchange between he and Marley went somewhere. He did what Kevin advised, Mm -hmm. called his son. And you get this moment like that gets me a little more than the the, the Kevin and his mom moment is like, oh, they they had a positive effect on one another. Yeah. And it, it it's a great little way to close out the scene. And, and even with Buzz, you know, yelling the closing line of what did you do to my room? Uh, yeah. Got on a laugh gag. on a yeah. gag. Yeah. Credits roll. But I mean, this this is some scarring childhood trauma. That he's been through. But he doesn't see it that way in his eyes. Like he, that whole exchange with he and his mom puts it in a reality for him to where it's like, well, I made this decision. He was left alone, almost murdered. (laughs) 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 Uh, I mean, it's not great. I think maybe he's got issues later in life is all I'm saying. I would say I'd love to see the, the, 30 years later version of this Mm -hmm. where Kevin is still played by Macaulay Culkin at at, like now. And they kind of play that whole aspect of how this has affected him throughout his life. And almost like a meta sort of, (laughs) it affected Macaulay Culkin negatively. And it also affected Kevin negatively. Almost so like, like this was all a a preparation for him in that commercial. Yeah. 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 (laughs) They did some of that, but you're right. You could do, I mean, gosh, with all these, all these shows and movies that are bringing back old celebrities, and, like uh, that would be an interesting aspect of something. Like we talk about remakes all the time, and how some movies shouldn't be remade or they shouldn't make a sequel. They make these sequels that are thirty years later, or twenty years later, or whatever they are. But imagine if they did, like, if someone actually put forth the effort of writing a script and taking it to a studio and saying, "I legit." want to take what happened in this movie that is canon and in this universe and take a dark turn with it. If it could stand on its own and not taint the, re- the, how this movie is regarded in terms of Christmas time, but almost play a dramatic sense instead of a comedy sense and, and take it in a dark place. Like it could be like a dramedy or something. Yeah. yeah like it's, like a very dark comedy. Like it's still funny, but what's happening, like even in this movie, there's very dark shit here that's played comedically. Almost well, like you change you change the view of it. This mm-hmm. time we're playing it dramatic, but it's one of those where it's like it's funny because it's so fucked up. Yeah, I mean you you have to play it in some kind of similar tone if you were really going to make it canon, yeah. you know what I mean? Cuz it has to exist in the same universe. Mm-hmm. So but you're right. I mean you could you could lean into that. You could do even something in the same tone with a grown-up Macaulay Culkin yeah. Or you know Kevin, I mean Macaulay Culkin can can still act. Well, I assume he was he set- was good in uh, <laughs> Saved. 
Saved. I do like him. Saved. Saved is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Saved Spoilers. is a great movie. I love that. Movie. And it is a it is a hidden gem. Like I don't think a lot of people Absolutely. know about that mm-hmm. movie. I would love to talk about. And it Mandy Moore here. is great in that. movie. Yeah, she too. is. Like all, all yeah. the whole cast is good in that movie. Yep. yep. Um, we'll definitely talk about that one on here. I'd love to talk about that one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the bad part is, is I kind of hate that Hollywood is in this sort of spot where they would. The, the path they would go with something like this is they would still have Macaulay Culkin in it as Kevin and whatnot and kind of play this whole aspect, but it would be Kevin leaves his son at home alone. And it's his hijinks with some robbers that try and break in. Instead of, you know, the trauma that Kevin got from all of this as a child and how he's having to deal with it as an adult. But the thing is, is these movies, this one and the second one, don't even play it like this has affected Kevin at all. Mm-hmm. You know, he's so he's so uh, innocent in everything he's doing in these movies that it wouldn't play well because they've just played it as it didn't affect him as negatively as it probably would have in real life. Yep. You know. Yeah, he's just, you know, having fun with it most of the time. Yeah. A couple moments of, oh, no, I'm in trouble and then quickly out of it. So, mm-hmm. well, let's get to the good, bad and the ugly. The good, the bad. The ugly. Uh, The good in this for me is the comedy in this is genuine. And I genuinely think that that, that this movie is just funny. Um, And not even for like, even necessarily the jokes that are played in it. It's, it's in all aspects of it. The, the scream that Kevin has when he sees old man Marley, the scream that comes through when the spider gets put on uh, Marv's face. Yep. Um, Macaulay Culkin makes this movie. Mm-hmm. And and it's sad that he he ended up in a place where this movie is kind of the bane of his existence because he is so good in it. Um, and, I, you know, obviously he's living with it and, and moving on to things in his life. But I kind of hate that he was put in a position where this movie kind of put him in a dark spot a little bit and yep. caused a lot of problems with his family, even though it's something that we all hold so near and dear to us because it's this fun movie. Um, but I, I, mean, I, that's, that's the thing with these kid actors, man. It often ends with, it often ends poorly or it, you know, I mean, he, he didn't end up the so worst. Well. I mean, we could be talking about Edward Furlong. Yeah. I mean, Macaulay Culkin's fine as far yeah. as I know, but I, yeah, he had, he had some issues for a while, but who could blame him? I mean, what a bizarre way to grow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, you see it. It's like the Michael times. Jackson syndrome, which is funny because he, he, he crosses paths with Michael Jackson right. later on, but You're good friends with Michael Jackson. Um, but I mean, Joe Pesci's great in this Daniel Stern, all, you know, all the actors are, are spot on for this movie. And that's really the good that make that's really what makes this movie for me. Um, the bad is just the reality of how some of this stuff would really be. Um, some people in this movie would be dead <laughs> uh, for sure, but it doesn't taint the movie for me. It's really just me nitpicking and trying to find something <laughs> negative to talk about in this movie. Uh, Frank is terrible. I can't stand Frank. I don't like that the kids are mean to him, uh, even though he's a little jerk. Like I think they're a little overly harsh to him, um, but that's really all I would say for good and bad and the ugly in this. How about you, Eric? Uh, good is Marv's scream with the spider. <laughs> yeah. Um, bad is P 
Peter is worthless, uh, doesn't catch on to the fake cop, doesn't defend his son, does, uh, doesn't help his son. He just stays in France and uh, doesn't even think twice about the gold tooth, really. As far as we know, he just, oh, it's gold tooth. That's weird. Yeah. So he's an idiot. Um, and then ugly uh, is just all the all the hiding everything that doesn't make sense to me with Kevin hiding all that stuff that we got into, like. And and did Marley hide it? Did Marley just go home and not speak to the cop? What the hell happened there? That is actually a, a criticism that I have, and I, yeah, it bothers me. But the movie is fun; it's a classic, and you don't need to dissect everything. It's I still love it. And and uh, oh, Jenny, you go. Yep, I'm gonna say the soundtrack is really good, as well as the score. I love yep. the Christmas songs that they chose for this movie. And of course, John Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't even well, mention. John what else Williams can you say? Um, and then the bad, just really the inattentive, almost blase attitude that all of the adults in this movie, besides his family, have the cops <laughs> towards this child being alone. Yeah. Yep. I don't have an ugly. <laughs> um. So, buy it, rent it, forget it. What are we saying? Buy it. Buy, buy it. it. Buy it. Buy it. You probably don't have to because it's on TV a lot around this time of year, but you should buy it because it is a classic. Yeah. I mean, it yeah, may not be on the AFI Top 100, but <laughs> it's definitely one you got to have in the collection. Yeah. Um, that's going to do it for our conversation of Home Alone, one of my best childhood memories of watching a movie. Uh, it's been fun to go back to it and watch it i mean we watch it every year i know eric wasn't too thrilled about sitting down and watching it this time but i feel like i've watched it too recently so i i yeah. just wasn't ready to go back to it but i right. had fun watching. yeah absolutely it's one of the I, I was kind of feeling the same way and as soon as i started watching it i got into it and i was just like okay i'm i'm on board um it, it's such a fun movie and i have such genuine laughs watching it so uh, I just want to throw out there, I, um, I was a guest on the Out of the Blank podcast uh, today, and that should be coming up uh, here in the next week or so. Um, me and uh, Rob on that show just sat down and had a little bit of a conversation. He does a very Joe Rogan-style sort of podcast where it's just you and him have a conversation, and he's a very nice guy. We talked about nostalgia, movies, video stores, social media, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so check that out once it hits the uh, once it hits wherever you guys get your podcast. Check them out. Out of the blank podcast. It was a very fun conversation. And Looking forward um, to it. So next week we're coming back. The episode will be dropping on New Year's Day, and we'll be talking, in my opinion, the best action movie of all time, Die Hard. Yes, we're going to the Nakatomi Plaza. Nakatomi. We're gonna. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a lot of Jenny talking about Alan Rickman. Oh yeah, <laughs> he can talk to me anytime. <laughs> so you have that to look forward to. Um, great action movie. Uh, I'm sure we'll all have a lot to say. Hopefully, Jason will be back with us at that time so he can talk Die Hard. I know he likes Die Hard as well. It should be a fun conversation. And starting into the new year, I think we're going to go a little different as far as choosing our movies. Um, maybe a little more random than we have been doing. We kind of wanted to start our show with a schedule to get things started and sort of evolve from there. So I think we're going to be doing a little different stuff with our episodes moving into the new year, and you'll know more about that hopefully by next episode. 
But until then, be kind, rewind, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Yes, glad tidings of great joy. Happy Holidays. And all of that good stuff. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Solstice. Whatever you do, happy that. Happy. <laughs> Just be happy. Don't worry. And, that, and that'll do it for us. Keep with the that, change, you filthy animal. With that, we will say... Good night, Kevin. Good night, Kevin. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Bye. It's over. You've been listening to the VHS Files podcast. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and drop us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast. It was fun. <laughs> Send your questions, comments, and movie suggestions to VHS Files Podcast at gmail.com. I sing fucks. You've seen one too many movies. Don't you blame the movies? Follow us on all social media outlets at VHS Files Podcast. Movies don't create psychos. Check out our YouTube channel for more content. Movies make psychos more creative. Thanks for listening.